Hey, welcome to the Well Actually podcast, where you can get 100% of your daily dosage of skinny jeans and rail thin guys who've never chopped wood in their life, but still look like lumberjacks. <laughs> do, you know, uh, do you know axe throwing's a thing? <laughs> there, okay, so this is a true story, <laughs> yeah. and I, I was not planning on opening with this, but you brought it up. So there's a, there's a place, wait, Matt, you told me about this. There's a place in Fresno kid you not it's an axe throwing place yeah bro and it, that's it like called, a huge no no in minneapolis okay but wait for it this is the name bad axe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness uh if wow. you couldn't guess already we are gonna be uh jiving a little bit about hipster culture and um kind of the ha-has with hipster culture um in fact uh, our name guys our our writers the will actually podcast are like they must have like been lit majors in college they're just geniuses but anyways yep. the title of this episode is holy hipster batman uh, yeah. where did all of these uh hipsters come from and uh i want to i want to begin i want to take hipsterism back to a little year i like to call 2000 and i think 13 mm. when a certain uh unnamed rapper uh whose name may or may not rhyme with uh, Backlamore um, <laughs> came out with a song called Thrift Shop. Mm. And basically from there, uh, it feels like it feels like what people were already doing with the kind of like, you know, it was like kind of fringe to be a thrift shopper. It suddenly was like it was like a cultural thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I want to go over a little bit of the history of hipsterism and then ask some uh, some more introspective questions, guys, because. You know, you're not reformed if you're not moody and introspective and constantly like rewiring conversations to get back to talking about yourself. Amen. Um, so in that vein, guys, let me begin by talking about myself. Um, I'm a recovering hipster. Uh, I, uh, I was into hipsterism for about oh, five or six years. Guys, I've, I've toned it down a little bit, right? I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've all kind of grown up a little we, bit. We've, <laughs> we've, we've all, uh, we've all allowed the power of the gospel to transform us yeah. over these last few years. But Maybe I think you're just talking about a, a little process I like to call sanctification. Uh, <laughs> where, wherein by, uh, by the, the means and grace of the Holy Spirit, we, we dress less and less like our, our grandpas. Yeah. You know what it is? You know what it is? So I'll explain this from my, my vantage point. So, so the thrift shop was about like, <laughs> It was mainly about like going and finding old stuff, you know what I mean? And like, um, and, and finding cool pieces, you know what I mean? From the past that you could get really cheap. And, but, but the whole culture was like very, like this sounds really bad, but like hipsterism by and large is very white. Is that, is that fair yeah. to say? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, so I, we read an article actually, um, and I could tell you just as like somebody who teaches at a, a lower income school, a lot of my kids thrift shop, but it's not like a game. It's not like, I've right. got $20 yeah. in my pocket and I'm trying to pop tags <laughs> and stuff. I don't even know what that means, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to Google tags. it. <laughs> uh, yes. Our, you know what? Our tech team is on it right now, baby. Actually, here's what I want to know is, uh, is hipster is the root word for hipsterism Latin or Greek? Cause that's more or less oh, been a controversy oh. on this podcast. Matt, what uh, do you think? Greek or Latin? Uh, I'm going I'm saying, Latin. I would, say, I would say Greek. All right. All right. 50, 50. Our it tech is, team's going to get back to us. It is German. Oh, but before that, before that. No, it's Germanic tribes, man. Shoot, Shoot Germanic dude. tribes Shoot. were popping tags long before yeah. all of us. Uh, pop tag. Oh. I googled pop tags, and, and uh, the the 
Macklemore song just came up. So Urban Dictionary um, says – you can keep talking, actually. Go okay. for it. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. I got the Urban Dictionary right here. When yeah, a cool dude goes shopping, yes. the removal yes. of the tags is a remarkable event. <laughs> the whole shopping experience can be summarized by this defining moment. Literally, popping tags is removing tags, typically after purchasing. But in a broader <laughs> sense, this phrase encompasses yes, going shopping. It's, it's killing if you take them off before you bought it. You're trying to walk out with something. That's and uh, awesome. shout out to our friends at the Fresno Rescue Mission Thrift Store. Um, they're they're longtime friends of the podcast. Um, they're kind of like they're us. Our sponsors of the week. <laughs> They're really the movers and shakers of uh, the Fresno area, like uh, like us, you guys. Um, mm. We're very we're very similar in that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if you pop a tag before you buy something there, they will take the item and not allow you to buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're hardcore. They're hardcore. So so it's a very like it's a very affluent kind of white thing to do for fun, whereas like a lot of my students who are more like low income, uh-huh. like they have the thrift shop. They they yeah. literally can't like they they don't have a as much money and so for me like hipsterism started out as kind of this gimmicky thing where it was like oh i found the cutest thing you know what i mean or like oh dude i found this old school flannel it's like this material and whatnot and so it's it's almost like at its worst it's sort of a a really extreme extension of like white privilege and and kind of just affluent privilege in general where we can like make a game out of reusing old clothes you know what i mean right um and so it becomes something of a spectacle of like you know there's the fun game of it too of like oh i found this it's the nicest thing like i'm not disparaging thrift shopping it's actually a really ecological way to shop and boys i know all three of us could rant all day about being more ecological as christians mm-hmm. um but uh but uh some of us have written papers on it actually mm. let's let's um, do let's do that in the future let's uh let's should. talk about Christian uh, ecological ethics. That'd be fun. Oh man, dude, we're going to, you just triggered half of our listeners with uh, talking about the environment. Um, let's, 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 that's good radio guys. That's a tease for a future episode. We're going to yep. leave it there for now. But um, so I, I can't remember when you guys, but I can, I can certainly remember two things. One, when I was in high school, skinny jeans were not a thing. Dude, like no. you did not wear skinny jeans. You were made fun of it if you did. You were you were made fun of. There were certain uh, slurs thrown yeah. at you if you wore those. Um, and then suddenly, like I'm 19 and out of <laughs> out of high school, and I start seeing this become mainstream. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. What happened? Yeah. And um, and I, I can't really pinpoint. I, I imagine the Macklemore song didn't create it. I imagine what it did, like all music, is it it kind of it consolidated into a catchy beat a common held belief of the culture you know what i mean right. whereas like yeah. some art serves to like push culture forward that song was mainly like it was it was drawing on a thing and because it was now popular it was like it was like oh i can go thrift shopping and not like not have people look at me like oh they must be really you know fine they must not be well off because they have to you know what i mean yeah. and so it became more of a game than it became like a lifestyle so i've worn my fair share of uh, skinny levi's and uh red flannels um, I can chop wood. I'd like to clarify that right off the top. <laughs> and, um, get that out of the key. CC, you've seen me chop wood, actually. Dude, that's attractive. I, I definitely have. Um, it's one yeah. of the, yeah, it's, it's I one of my it, many. I, I always include it on, um, 
other things to know about me on resumes. Yeah, that was in my um, resume. That was in uh, that was line one of my application can, to St. Andrews. It was just bullet one. Can chop wood. It yeah. is like you know from that. And then point down forward. in the interest section, chopping wood. Yeah, chopping, and they were yeah. like, "This is totally irrelevant to what you're applying for." <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> you're accepted. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. So I don't know you guys. I, that's my experience. I as I've gotten. I don't know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've started to realize like, okay, there's a way that you can present yourself in society that like, if you're, if you're always the gimmicky person, like if your outfit and like your lifestyle is always kind of gimmicky, like there's a, there's a, there's a certain era of like, you haven't grown up or of like, you haven't grown up yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and right. hipsterism carries a little bit of that with it. Um, but of course we're kind of, we're kind of, taking jabs at it now. Do you guys have any critiques to offer in terms of hipster culture and your experiences in it as recovering hipsters? Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, I, was I ever, I don't know. Was I ever a hipster? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Hang on. Was Matt ever a hipster? Uh, CC, help me out here. Let's pinpoint <sighs> some things about Matt in the last five years that could be perceived. As <laughs> well, he plays the violin. Okay. Older instrument. Older instrument. Okay. Um, he likes finer things. He likes to okay. smoke nice cigars. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Here we go. Okay. Matt, have you ever drank a domestic beer? Or I've do drink, you yeah. drink crap beers? I've, I've had both. Yeah. Have you drank a Coors Light in your life? Yes. Have you drank a PBR in your life? Yes. Then you're a hipster. All okay. right. All right. And <laughs> let, me, let, me go, let me go a step further. Matt, Matt Mailer wore the same Oxford shirt for about like the six year period and that I first knew him, right like from now. 18 to 24. <laughs> no, okay, he's no, not no, today. No, 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 no. <laughs> today he's, he's dressed in a very nice, see, I want to point this out. I want to give our, our guy some props. He's wearing a very nice three button Henley. No, yeah. two button. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and in that way, he looks like, like a, a first mate on a ship in like the yeah. 17th century. You yeah. know it. Um, Okay, fair, fair. So. Matt, Matt, your wardrobe, but you, but Matt's moved from like, Matt's moved from like accidentally hipster. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and now Matt is just like Matt's just just dresses cool now. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just like that's how he is. That he's a yeah. Henley wearing. Oh, and the other jeans. thing is like hipster culture isn't monolithic. There are right. a variety of types of hipster. Right. You know, so well, Matt I wanted, was like I, a. I wanted, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, well, I wanted to raise that as a criticism is that hipsterism as an ideology itself, even though there are multiple types, it is, it has grown to be a paradox, right? Because yeah. hipsterism was all about, it was about not just appreciating the, the older things, finer things, but it was about also breaking from um, like uh, culture. And I think it was especially breaking from the kind of like real hardcore, like modern consumerism you know, that where people are, you know, like going for the, you know, just buying like the newest trends or buying like, you know, all these new yeah. clothing, like being wasteful, et cetera. And so that was a good thing about it, but then it ended up becoming a part of that same system. And so now then you see like, uh, you see like new clothes from like major, like, like clothing lines that Looking are- Looking like they're old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like with the rips and like, there's yeah, a yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like dirt, like like rubbed in sort of yeah you know or yeah. even like lighter denims like lighter denims used uh -huh. to just mean like your denim's been worn for so long that right, it's starting right. to like it used get to mean faded. you need a, a new pair of jeans <laughs> yeah now i have a light pair i have a dark yeah. pair, yep. Yep. pair. Yep. and hey i'll i'll admit i'm a i'm a i'm still a part of some of these you know sub aspects of it 
Well, it's hard not um, to be. It's hard not yeah. to be. Right. Well, because if, you're, if you want to, like, dress in a presentable way, you have to buy clothes, and the clothing market is right. catering towards a certain style, which is, you know, hipster-ish. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, Matt, let's talk about CC. CC, any ways you've been a, a hipster in the last six to oh, yeah, five yeah. Years? I, I got into hardcore into the coffee scene, so oh, okay, we could talk about yeah, coffee for sure. So, um, let's play a game called You Might Be a Hipster If, yeah. Um, I'll <laughs> drop the first one. You might be a hipster if, uh, give me, give me, a, give me one, guys. If you wear suspenders. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my god. Okay, so we could talk about the number of weddings on our Instagram feeds because guys, as people have heard, you know, ad nauseum in the past on this uh program, we are Instagram sensations. Uh-huh. Um yep, and yep. so of our thousands of followers, um, we come across a lot of suspender wearing dudes on their wedding days. Yeah. Um when did that become a thing? Like I feel like like again, I, suspenders I that was not cool. Did you never? Know what I was just thinking about, like, think about growing up. Up until, well, for me it was it was through high school, so I'm sure it was for you guys too. But like, everybody kind of dressed the same. Like yeah, everybody yeah. in elementary school had that, you know, American flag, Old Navy T-shirt. <laughs> Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. Like, yeah. In in middle school, everyone wore Hollister or Abercrombie. Yep, yep, yep. You know. Uh, yeah, Air Apostle. Um, but, but now, like, it, it would be so unusual to see two people wearing the same thing. I, I don't know. I haven't been in high school in a while. But I, just the in, the, in the world that I'm in right now, like, do you ever see two people, like, you know, wearing the same – unless it's not like a sporting event or – So here's, here's a fascinating question. So we'll come back to coffee in a second, and we'll do more. It might be hipster ifs. But guys, I, I have seen that. And you know what it is? It's, it's unilaterally always dads. It's yeah. dads who shop at Costco. No, I kid you not. It's dads who shop at Costco and both see the same shirt and go, oh, that's a sweet shirt. I should get it's that. sick Tony Bahama or Tommy Bahama shirt. <laughs> no, right? it's, it's, like the, it's like a Kirkland with like a busy pattern yeah. like shirt for work. And so I yep. kid you not, this last week, I had two coworkers who were both relatively around the same age walk past each other and go, hey, cool shirt, man. Oh, yeah, I got it at Costco. <laughs> it's a moment where I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, Lord, so help me never be that I person. Know. No, I'm just kidding. Dude, I endeavor to buy any clothing piece for the rest of my life from Costco and to eventually move into that. It's oh, man. Should we make a pact that we're only going to buy clothes from Costco from now on? I mean, pop – yeah no pop tags in bulk my my wife just wisely <laughs> reminded me that we don't even have a costco card so oh, yeah. i'm out Ooh. i'm out of my own pack so oh dude can you can you even be a hipster if you don't have a no. costco card yeah baby no. whole foods whole foods and target that's where oh, we that's buy like every mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. you guys are the you guys uh you guys buy the um what's target's healthy trader brand? joe's oh Sprouts. trader joe's Yeah, Dude, I'm loving Sorry. the live audience today. I know yeah. the live audience right there. She's, so, yeah, yeah we, we buy everything from William Sonoma. So, oh, oh, of course. Why would yeah. you not? Well, we're loaded. Um, That's why we do. We're loaded. 
<laughs> so <laughs> uh, let's talk about cliche jobs at hipsters work, guys. Um, let's just shout one out. Uh, at least one person on this podcast has worked in specialty coffee. And at least one Both person on this. I have two. Uh, is that true? Yeah, man. I oh, dude, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're married. Uh, to does that make me a hipster? And no, no. You're ma- my point was <laughs> okay. you're married okay. to somebody who worked in specialty. Yes, getting those, married. Those dang hipsters <laughs> are taking over marriage, man. They're like, no, it's 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 the hipster because again, like hipsterism reprioritizing the old. It's like remember when people used to get married, dude? We should do that. that yeah. would be sweet, you know, yeah. like oh man, that's. <laughs> That's its own interesting thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, you, you were married to a coffee hipster. Yep. Yep. Um, We've got about see. five different ways to make coffee in our, in our kitchen. Mm. So that's pretty hipster, right? You guys have an espresso machine? We do, well, we have like a manual espresso, like oh. a stovetop espresso. Oh my goodness. We've got a Chemex. We've got a oh French press. Whoa. We've oh, got a V60 and we've got a coffee drip, like a drip, you know, whatever. Like a Mr. Cafe? Yeah. Yep. I think ours is Black & Decker, but. Whoa. Yeah. Oh yeah. William Sonoma. Yeah. Yeah. Baby. We forgot. Yeah. Um, guys, we've kind of poked a little bit of haha at hipsterism. Um, some positive aspects of it. Um, and we kind of talked about this. We talked about ecology, you know, like trying to care for the environment, trying to study the ways in which we're harming the environment through excess um, and trying to reprioritize using old things. In fact, I think a lot of companies will say, or a lot of bloggers will say like, hey, instead of buying um, like new clothes with better materials, go buy like old clothes that have already been produced and use those. Um, and so in that way, hipsterism is kind of um, big. Is there something else in there about like trying to be authentic and not, and like deliberately not trying to care about like what society is trying to push on you? I yeah. think a bit of that. Yeah. But I think like we noted it, it turned in on itself though. Yeah. Because like being authentic is now a popular thing to do in hipster culture. Right. Yeah. Like be expressing yourself um, as an individual is that's what everybody's trying to do. So in that way, it's not really. Uh, dude, you want to know who, who, told, who warned us about this? Uh, a great philosopher by the name of um, Syndrome. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this guy. Um, if everyone becomes super. Nobody is. Oh, my goodness. Dude, he was trying to warn us. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's wow. deep, man. Wow. That's deep. Yeah, if everybody becomes hipster, then it's like, it, are the guys now, are the guys now at work who are buying the Costco shirts, are they the new hipsters? Because now they're like, they're not thinking about it. You know what I mean? They're just, yeah, there's your inception moment. Included, yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> they, they no longer care about what society thinks. So they're just like buying stuff because it's like, oh, it's, it's practical. It's good. It looks, it looks nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so here's a couple of good things about, about hipster culture. I think like the movement towards shopping, you know, for groceries that are um, produced in a way that's better for the environment or, uh, um, you know, buying fair trade coffee, um, organically grown food. I think fair that's, trade. Those are, yeah, those are all good things. And yeah. you know, on top of that, like striving to, to make good quality coffee and craft yeah. coffee. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Of course, well, I was, that's gonna, a good thing, I was right? gonna say too, like, yeah, it seems like what also has followed hipsterism in a really positive way is, yeah, like you said, the, the emphasis on craft and 
and equity in, in, in business. Yeah. So a lot of it's like, you know, people can critique it all day, but it's like, there is a difference in how a company, uh, you know, um, we won't name any names, but a certain, uh, green and white logoed coffee, uh, yeah. little, little startup mom and pop coffee joint, mm. um, with a mermaid as their logo. Um, they may or may not be guilty of originally sourcing from, from companies and buyers that didn't pay their workers fair wages. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it seems like, yeah, a lot of hipsterism is, is trying to fix that and go, no, we need to pay people. Right. We need to, we need to drink things that are actually like good coffee, not like yeah. buying junk and then over roasting it and things like yeah. that. I think it's also brought on the kind of on that same vein also brought, um, like trade skills and careers in like, in like trades like be yeah. more acceptable you know because i think i think there was a very heavy emphasis i felt this definitely growing up where i did and in the family that i did not that's a bad thing but like go to college and then get you know like a, col a college degree and then get move on to some kind of like career like i'm going to law school for instance you know yeah a, you can be a lawyer a doctor or a teacher right yeah, yeah so, something like that <laughs> but but you know it seems like in history culture there's more of, again because of this emphasis on like making things well there's more of an emphasis on people going into like there was a uh, people that I know who worked as blacksmiths and yeah, you know, and dude, I just saw, I just saw a guy's Instagram page and he's a hatter. Yeah. Like, I think that's yeah. so cool. What? Like, right. A guy who makes nice hats, like, wool yeah. and straw hats. Oh my goodness. For, for all the hips, uh, for all the Hillsong young and free. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. How but, are they going like, to keep the Australia sun out of their eyes without right, hatters? Right. Or the New York city. No, <laughs> the new york city club lights out of their yeah, eyes without yeah. big brimmed hats the so, stage lights baby that's yeah. what it is and then also also along with that not just trade skills but also local you know so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not having focus to on trade, local you know local coffee shops local right. you know places that you local breweries local breweries yeah yeah, yeah stuff like that yeah or yeah. even like companies like like operating in ways that are ethical so like one aspect uh -huh. of um, they're not, they're not a sponsor on this podcast, but we'll give them a little plug. They've been very good to us. Um, cup of joy is like a great example of like, so like doing, doing things right in terms of like sourcing and craftsmanship, yep. but then also like, so our, our friend, Megan, everybody goes to cup of joy for different reasons, but I'm sure that everybody could say they go there to see Megan. And part of the, part of the thing with that is like, Megan's not just like the cashier girl. She's like the, the person you go and see on Saturday mornings because there's like a feeling of authenticity. Like I know Megan will be there. I know her and Carson will care about my order being right. Yep. I know they're going to like make me feel good for going. You know what I mean? Right, Whereas right. like in the, in the kind of the more industrious side of like businesses, it's like, no, get customers in and out, move them very quickly. Where, yeah. Whereas like with somebody like a Megan and a cup of joy, it's like, no, I'm going to talk to you for a minute at the register yeah. because I know that's what keeps you coming back. Yeah. Right. Businesses, yeah. businesses actually care about people and don't just treat right. them as profit. Right. Like we're not going to keep somebody only because they're profitable for a company. We're also going to keep somebody because like they're a really good person to have. Yeah. And we, and we like right. that aspect of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, more about, um, it's more about culture than. Right. You know, and, and, yeah. and the idea is that once, if you have a good culture, it's going to bring in profit, you know, like exactly. Right. Flourish. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You want business. Fame, fame and fortune guys. I mean, that's fame more or less. You know it. <laughs> That's the, you know, another, another, another good thing that's actually come out of this, I think, I don't know, it's not directly in the hipster movement, but it shares a lot of similar things is the FIRE movement, the financial independence retire early. Have you guys heard of this? Mm -mm. Um, so it's like this movement started by, I think this couple are like Colorado, 
but the idea is that like you once you start like you having your career you essentially like live as frugally as possible and save as much as possible and some of these people will retire like 20 years early so they'll retire like by the age of like 40 or in their early 40s you know and then just live mm -hmm. off their savings the rest of their life and that includes like with the family so but the idea there is that like you buy from thrift stores and you like you kind of like either like have one car or like split a car or you know you try to you try to like but is that them. is that hipster though because i, I feel so, like I so. well i feel like that's hipster that's is of... more like spend a lot of money on whole foods and never cool. buy a home but always be lit, like renting Right. Can I, so, so the one thing, so this is, brings us to kind of another interesting aspect of, of hipsterism and it's, and it's minimalism, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea with minimalism is not just having less, it's, it's doing more with the less things you have. Yeah. So instead of me buying like three computers over the next eight years, I'll buy like a Mac, like a really high end Mac. You know what I mean? And the idea would be, I would use that Mac. I would, I would buy a really, um, great car you know what i mean like a camry i have like with all the you know glitter and gizmos and then i would drive that car into the ground the other side to that of course is like now kind of like people take that to become a different form of materialism where right. it's now like every year i get the newest mac and that's hipster because it's like oh i'm always on the front end of technology yeah and there's an aspect to it where you're going well was the other computer not good enough like yeah what's the new l was the new technology for the mouse like that much better you know where you had yeah. to get it this year and um so th there can be that but i think initially at least at first blush like a lot of it is trying to do more with less um right. and trying to appreciate like trying to appreciate things longer in terms of like economic value you know what i mean yeah um, yeah but but at the same t like at the same time the, our our generation gets criticized all the time because we spend so much money on you know avocado toast that we will never be able to own a hey, home. Hey baby, don't don't assault don't my avocado toast, dude. Don't you do know it. I'm you know I'm eating some avi toast. This like is three mornings. This is, a week. <laughs> this is iron sharpening iron right now, and it hurts. It I, hurts. I don't need you to rebuke me for this. Yeah. yeah. No, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, reti even retiring early, like being frugal and minimalistic to retire early, like that, I, that's I, still its own. Yeah, and I think, I think part of it is like we're, our generation isn't as much looking for like permanence in material things, but is consciously choosing to maybe sacrifice owning a home in order for experience in order you know in yeah. order to uh -huh. spend money on experiences yeah. and like that's that's in some ways a good thing i think yeah i don't i don't think that's one of those things where you can evaluate and say like yeah it's completely wrong completely wrong. yeah exactly yeah, there, yeah, there, yeah. there are trade-offs trade -offs, sure. yeah. well, even with like even with people buying homes like so now now I, I i'll say this for myself maybe this is where i'm still a little hipster and maybe no one's like this but i when i look at buying a house like the idea of like like going to a housing development where there's like 50 track homes and there's like three variations on all 50 track homes. You know what I mean? And kind of the idea of being like, this is the list, the layout, everybody's got a three car garage and like a, and like a, you know, white picket fence. Like it seems like part of it too is going like, no, let's go buy an older home and like fix it up yeah. and yeah, chip and I, Joanna the whole thing. Um, part of that, part of that is that the world is just rapidly becoming more and more urban each month, 5 million people, are moving to to urban environments yeah. out of you know 
suburban. And well, and with, it's projected that within last time I heard, like it's projected that when our in our lifetime in America, ninety percent of the population will live in like a city. Yeah. I in, think it's by twenty fifty. Is it by twenty fifty? Yeah, in That's America, what, it's um, already eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there's going to be so we can't keep moving out and expanding. We're going to have to go back to old areas, old stuff, yeah. and we're going to have to find ways to um, kind of reclaim those things and yeah, um, yeah, beautify and things like that. The problem though that comes with that though is is maybe we're getting too far off topic. But I don't know. Is 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 the, is the gentrification, right? Yeah, Thank absolutely. you. I was actually just gonna. Yeah, yeah. So well, just, that's, I think that's yeah. part of hipster culture. I think we should address that. So well, right. so isn't that? But that's exactly where we started, right? Like I have students yes, yes. who are who are a yeah. lot of times. Okay, I'm not saying this is always the case, but a lot of times they're not white affluent um, students. Um, a lot of times they're very low e- uh, economic situations. Um, yeah. They come from low economic situations, and they're not white predominantly. Yeah. And so a lot of the stuff that comes with that is like again, this is like where they live and and how they shop and where they eat. These are not things where it's like a game. It's like, this is how I have to actually, it's not cool. In fact, from their perspective, a lot of times it's not cool at all. Yeah. Whereas you have like the kid on the north end of Fresno, kind of like all three of us at various points where it's like, oh, I can't wait to go be like, go, you know, move in an urban setting and, and, you know, get an old brick house, you know? And it's like, dude, that's like, if you, and so I'm at Manchester mall right now. And the fascinating thing has been to see as they're revitalizing the mall, I joked with a coworker of mine who's not white when they were putting up shiplap. They were putting up like like wood looking things on the outside and making it like these like kind of muted neutral colors and because it was you know formerly orange and concrete looking and and uh, uh, and you know he's like what are they doing and I'm like dude what do you think they're doing they're they're sending a very clear yeah. signal to like white people like hey yeah. look how fun our mall is but again it's it's again it's you're, when, you, when you start turning up the housing market in an area because everything's starting to get built up and you put in new businesses the question yeah. is are we revitalizing something which is what hipsterism is kind of like at its base supposed to do or are we sort of like gentrifying and making something like Pushing only accessible that. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. are, are yeah. you taking yeah. away houses um, schooling options, clothing, and all these kinds of things from people who legitimately, based on where they're where they're at economically, more than anything else, yeah. like they need that. And now it's becoming kind of like a game of like, let's go buy a nice house, flip it, and drive up the house, the because housing when, costs of everything in the neighborhood. Because when you live in in you know um, South Fresno or you know further south than than we all grew grew up, and um, you know that the, the the grocery store that you always shopped at closes down and a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods comes in. Right. Your grocery budget goes, it skyrockets. And that, that puts, you know, a huge burden on a lot of people. And that's because of, you know, affluent people moving into these neighborhoods and quote unquote revitalizing them. Yeah. So it seems like, it seems like the good parts about it are like reclamation of old things, trying to be more conscious of, of spending, trying to be more conscious of, um, you know, what we're consuming and whatnot. The bad parts of it can become when you start treating revitalization, like it's like, it's like, it's something fun, like it's a novelty thing. And I think novelty is the biggest. Or like you're, you're doing something that doesn't have effects on other people. Like right. Being, being a, uh, uninformed consumers is dangerous 
Right, know? right, right. And when, yeah. and, when, and when one of the driving values isn't inclusion, you know, so like, exactly. yeah, exactly. so like we're going to go into this place because we, we like the building, <laughs> like all these, all these, you know, minorities and poor people that live here, you know, we don't really care about what happens to them necessarily, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or even like, or even doing things, um, even like saying like, oh man, we really want Manchester mall to be nicer. And it's like, why do you want it to be nicer? Oh, I'd like to shop there. And it's like, well, people already shop there. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, like, yeah. There may, like, there may be different, yeah. you may not appreciate some of the shops that are in there, but there are people who do. And so you, you also can't like flip it and go, um, you know, and, and, and take your culture and, and we can get, and we're going to transition into our next aspect to this, but you can't take your culture and say, my culture is the good culture. Everyone else should embrace exactly. this. Exactly. It's and not, it's not, unless this thing caters to what I want. It's right. It's look how, good. look how bad this area is. It doesn't cater to exactly what I want. And there actually may be some truth to like high crime rates, businesses that put out food that's, you know, highly saturated with fat and not healthy. Right. But then it's like, why aren't we fighting as, you know, as much for um, like even politically and things like that for like subsidizing or uh, yeah subsidizing vegetables you know what i mean yeah like yeah. an article we make our kids read why do we well, why do we ask for subsidies on other things but not like healthy food you know what I yeah mean? i took a i took a graduate seminar last semester on, <laughs> on um the like environmental philo like philosophy environmental ethics um but one of the big issues is is what's called what are called urban food deserts so like these are places mm -hmm. where there's literally not a supermarket within like you know one or two miles of people's homes yeah. and it usually happens in poor places and so all they have access to are like corner stores and they don't have any access to like fresh foods vegetables yeah. stuff like that and it's pretty bad and one of the solutions so, is well let's put it in the high you know yeah supermarket but then they can't afford it yep so in the neighborhood we're living in right now and and it's south of Minneapolis and it's, and it's a lower income neighborhood. And there is, we have to go outside of our neighborhood to go to a grocery right. store. All the, but there's a lot of corner stores and. Yeah. You know, yeah. And just like yeah. 50 fast food joints, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. They're selling yeah. like dollar menu items, but those dollar menu items are horrible. Yeah. yeah. You know what and I people, mean? People, so people don't have the time to go out <laughs> to the supermarket because they have, you know, three kids and they work two jobs and, and they have to take the bus and they have yeah, to, you know, exactly. it's a ha yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, and guys, that sort of uh, is an interesting transition into our third topic, um, which is when uh, the sad reality of when Christianity can become a form of hipsterism. Um, when we yeah. sort of do things, especially in more reformed circles, um, out of a not like sense of novelty, you know what I mean? And this could be anything, reading the Apostles' Creed for novelty. Um, it could be a certain type of baptism for novelty or certain worship style for novelty. When we kind of take certain aspects of the Christian faith and we do them because it's exciting. But then we start realizing that what we're doing is we're taking our culture and we're saying Christianity looks like this. Everyone should do this. That's true Christianity. And, um, and, and, and in pursuit of connecting to the past and other cultures, what we've done is we've actually whitewashed all other cultures and even the past, even Jesus sometimes. Yeah. And we've turned him into this kind of like middle-class hipster, um, like guy who who fits our cultural milieu instead of being uh -huh. God who really challenges and blows up the boxes of every culture that he yeah. sort of inserts himself into. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are the dangers of allowing hipsterism to affect the way we do church? I mean, I, th I think in general, like it, I mean, what it does, I think, in, it, which is bad is it, it um, takes a, like secular phenomenon like hipsterism and then it appropriates like the church to that you know so so as opposed to like the church like just appropriating some aspects of like hipsterism so like you know a church like serving coffee you know or something like that and serving like 
you know, ethically sourced, you know, like, like, you know, good coffee, you know, not just like Folgers. Whole grain donuts. Yeah. You know, something like that or whatever. Like that seems like fine. But when you start taking the ideas behind hipsterism and you put that behind your like faith, you know, and so now like to be an authentic Christian, you know, it's like, it's about the newest, you know, whatever worship songs are coming out or it's about, you know, so it could could be about that. It could also Mm -hmm. be taking something that's old. Right. And then, but then not having like an appreciable understanding for it, right. um, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not, I don't have any examples of that off the top of my head, but maybe you guys do. Well, I think, I think part of it, or one example would be like the, the large number of, of evangelical, young evangelicals that are moving to, you know, Anglicanism or uh, oh, Roman right, Catholicism right, right. or Eastern Orthodox traditions because they, they want more, a, a greater sense of historic depth. And yeah, yeah. Which, like we talked about, even with like just hipster clothing, like these aren't bad things, you know what I mean? Like Uh wanting to be connected to the history of the church. But when it sort of becomes, when it sort of becomes a sense of like, I'm doing this because it's cool, or I'm doing this because I'm always on the newest thing, you know what I mean? Even something like hymns. I can't remember how long ago, but the the Gospel Coalition talked about like using hymns in a church where a lot of your congregants haven't like graduated high school, for example. And a lot of like old hymn language is difficult for most like English speakers to understand and like college graduates and like people who've gone through and taken really advanced English classes. And so to play even something like hymns in a church where you don't go into the explanation of like, what does this word mean? What's this aspect of salvation? And just sort of using it because it's like, well, that's, that's what the church has always done. You know what I mean? Get behind it. And so it sort of becomes like in our attempt to reclaim what's old and to, and to do what we think is kind of like, the purest original form, we're sort of like dragging people behind the cart a little bit of like, you either get with it or get out kind of an attitude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or, or what's worse is maybe like, we're better than that church because we sing hymns and they sing right. Bill Wickham. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or well, and, one, and one of the things as well, one of the problems, cause I'm guilty of that for sure. Like I, I really enjoy traditional churches, um, really enjoy hymns. I don't think they're necessarily better. I think that once you understand them, I think they are a lot, a much richer than a lot of, the contemporary worship songs, but, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily reach people as effectively um, given the language. But like, that's why I think, you know, one of the problems with that kind of perspective on hymns and, and this kind of idea of like going back and taking the past is that, you know, people, the people who wrote those hymns were innovating how they worship for their time, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, we can't just keep going back to that yep. we, have to, we have to we need people who are doing that now yes yes right. and and i'm not saying people aren't doing that and there are there are christians out there yeah. and doing that and doing it well and some that aren't doing it so well right um but but also i also really appreciate you know crossovers where people will take hymns and then you know tr- like rewrite the language so it's faithful to the, the original text but more understandable for people and mm-hmm. put it into more a modern like music musical kind of like style um, so that it's, it's easier to sing for people like that's great, you know, but but I think there's also this issue where like we get stuck uh, We have to kind of like take the past right and we can't let go of the past um, or We shouldn't you know as Christians um, GK Chesterton and who's a, a influential Christian thinker He has this nice term called the democracy of the dead So like the just because you know those who come before us in the church have died doesn't mean they've like lost their voice You know the fact that they chose to sing these things to do these things etc should have an influence on us It doesn't have to decide what we do, but we should take that (laughs) But then we also have to go forward and produce 
our new kind of, I mean, we're getting back to art here, but new works of music and art and, uh, you know, styles of worship that um, honor the past, but also are appropriate for um, our current climate. Yep. Mm. Let's talk about, um, maybe to close, kind of some ways in which, and I think we've all felt this, um, there, there, there's a, there's the aspect of hipsterism or just kind of, uh, just kind of that entire movement of, of wanting a sense of authenticity. Right. And it seems like with all three of us, one of the things that we found kind of given just, I don't know, for myself coming from my particular, like flavor sector of Christianity growing up was there felt like there was a lack of like authenticity, like either to like church or church tradition or other people. And when we start discovering like the reformers, you know what I mean? And the old writings and creeds and all these things, there could be like a critique of like, oh, that's just theological hipsterism, right? That's all reform theology is. It's just you guys wanting to have novelty and take old <laughs> things and go, oh, how fun. But there's the other aspect of it where it's like, no, this is, this is reforming something that was broken and lost. We're reclaiming it and we're bringing it into the modern age and going, this is great. Like we should use this. We can't let this go. Um, and so what are some really positive aspects that we see in kind of the new reformed movement of, of like that really represent the best parts of what we've kind of joked about calling hipsterism? Well, I think, I think in general, you know, if you look at the 20th century, especially there has been massive cultural change, especially in the West, you know, like, like huge, you know, and with, with World War One and World War Two and the kind of like existential crisis crises that those wars um, brought about and the rise of, you know, like this extreme secularism, atheism, um, the rise of uh, this kind of um, uh, authenticity kind of <laughs> culture where it's about, you know, you making your own life, what you want it to be. And, you know, the rise of the, basically this extreme individualism and materialism as well, like the rise of technology and production, making things much more widely available, making it into a global market. I mean, we see, we see, you know, the effects of that state, people, you know, um, massive amounts of like wasted resources, you know, massive, you know, harmful effects on the environment, um, you know, people, uh, individualism being really prevalent in culture to a huge extent. So like, if you look at those things, right, and you can, you can have your own opinion about those things, but if you look at those things, right, especially as a Christian and you say okay those things are like bad you know to a large extent and or or for the or that those changes you know even though they did happen right like there's there's been some harmful effects to them one way to combat that is to go back you know before that to mm. the reformers to the tradition to you know where we've historically come from and then not to not to think that going back it itself will solve the issue now but to say that look there was something that we have lost you know, in this massive cultural change in the West, and we need to, in some sense, reclaim it and then reform with it, you know, yeah. not just keep yeah. what it is. Yeah. CC, what do you have for us? Yeah, I, I agree with what Matt said, and maybe if I could just add, I think that reformed theology um, is only going to be, it's, it's only going to, benefit the church if the reappropriation of it by this younger generation does it on the grounds of scripture and not on the grounds of right you know thinking that it's cool it's only yeah yeah it's yeah. only going to help the church if the church believes it because they see it in the bible because right. if our only reason for believing something is because john calvin said it that's <laughs> not sufficient yeah so yeah, yeah. 
and and I think the reason that that we're seeing people, um, you know, turn back to, to Reformed theology is because people are turning to the Bible. Uh, right. Like that, that's a large part of mm-hmm. it. And, and seeing that, wow, this is uh, the way that the reformers read their Bibles makes much more sense of it and is much uh, richer and mm-hmm. Christ exalting and God glorifying than uh, maybe I grew up, uh, I grew up hearing in my non-denominational church or I don't know. Yeah. But, maybe, but also like the, the sense of, of historic depth that comes with like turning back yeah. to the reformers and even yeah. like pre-reformers to, to Thomas and to, um, Augustine, the, the, yeah. especially Augustine, but the creeds of the church and appreciating right. those. Yeah. Uh, a theologian I really like says that historical theology uh, at its best is just observing uh, the fifth commandment to honor our mother and father. And in the church, you know, in first Thessalonians, Paul, uh, or sorry, first Timothy five, Paul calls, um, you know, the older in the church, the older men, fathers and the older women, mothers. And in, in a way, like the, the Bible calls us to keep our, our eyes on the past where the church has been, our, the, our eyes on, on the dead, those long dead, um, not, not excluded. And I'm, wow. um, and also to remember that God, um, you know, through his Holy Spirit has been working in the church hmm. since its conception. It, we're not the first believers to come to the Bible and read it. We, we have um, a great cloud of witnesses that can hmm. be great aids to, to us. And I, I agree with Matt that I think um, in, in a Western world that's seen just dramatic um, cultural change, the church will find great help turning um, in, in turning to to pre-modern sources mm. good stuff guys um yeah so the importance of not not uh going i was even thinking as you were talking dude about some of the guys we like on this podcast um like i mean i just think of a guy like john piper you know what i mean he's this like balding short uh, southern guy who wears like a beige jacket that looks like he did get it thrifting. <laughs> dude, he's in no way cool. He is he's in, in no, no way. That's, dude, yeah. So that's the thing. Part of me is like, yeah, like the, in no way is he cool culturally or certainly not by hipster standards, right? Yeah. But because he's like this authentic guy, like I love the Bible. I love God. I want you to feel the same way about God that I do. I want you to see these same truths in the scripture and have this big of a God. It's like that, that, it's like, we want that. It's like, where do we find that? You know what I mean? And yeah. so we, we kind of yeah. do what you guys said, which is we look to the past, not to, not to try something else out, but to go, something feels broken. There's some dissonance in my faith. What's going on? Am I the only, are we the only generation who's wrestled with the idea of God's sovereignty over all things in a world yeah. full of suffering? No, Augustine was working that out as yeah. the city he died in was being sacked. You know what I yeah. mean? All these things. Yeah. So like stuff like that is accessible to us. And that's one of the benefits of creeds and, Guys, maybe this is a good segue for us in a future episode to talk about why we love creeds and let's do it next episode. Yeah, uh, you know next what? Episode. Wow, that's how that's how it's authentic the, the process is on the Well yeah. Actually podcast. Ooh, we just, there it is. Uh, we speak it, and there it is. It's it's happening, um, guys. It's a it's been a joy getting back in the proverbial studio with you guys. Mm. Um, I've missed this. We didn't do a May Fourth episode. Um, oh yeah uh yeah Ugh. let's just let, very Happy quickly Cinco de Mayo. 
Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, there's something important happening today. Yeah. Wait, the world's bigger than America. Yeah. Oh, man. Whoa. Mind, mind blown. Wow. Um, well, we hope, uh, we hope our listeners have been, uh, I don't know, man. We, we love getting to talk about these things because these are things we actually care about and think about. Um, and these are good things to think about, especially for younger people, but also for older people. Um, and uh, that's why we love discussing them. So good stuff, guys. Next episode, confessions and creeds. Why do we love them? Um, and why should we remember them? And until next time, we would like to say blessings.